Hello, welcome to another Rahala Stepper. Uh, this time it's with John Finnamore. Uh, if you enjoyed these podcasts and would like to give me some money, I am on tour uh, from February right through to June 2016 with my show Happy Now. If that goes well, I can afford to do more Rahala Steppers in, in June and then in the autumn as well. They're already booked in. I'm doing them. Don't worry about it. Uh, but anyway, go to richchain.com slash gigs and you can see information about all of the tour dates. Uh, it's good. It's called Happy Now. It's all about whether happiness is attainable and possible. Look at my happy face. Anyway, here we are. Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who might vomit during this podcast. <laughs> Genuinely might. So keep what go if you're listening on audio, go to the video to watch this. Could be worth it. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast tour. I was in that um, cereal cafe in Hoxton where... And everyone there had started calling this Rahalastapa. That's why I don't know what it was. Oh, must, must be getting around somewhere to all the cool, the cool people. They all have beards now, the cool people. That's, it's confusing, isn't it, for someone like you? Because you know, still, you don't look... You still don't look cool. I just... Just verify that for the people at home. They are not. You're getting quite a lot of uh, footage uh, in, uh, of you. Uh, so I'm a bit hungover. I was. I, uh, I I went out last night, which is quite rare, and we, we had a kind of pass because my mother-in-law was looking after our tiny baby. So we got really properly the most pissed I've been. You know, it's the it's the downside of doing these on a Sunday afternoon. Really, is that's the bad thing. Is you get out on a Saturday night. I'm really seriously ho- horrible. I went to uh, Steve Coogan's 50th birthday party. It's difficult to know what to, uh, what to... I don't know how the hell he invited me, but he, I think he was being kind to inviting people from his, uh, even very early on in his career. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's difficult, you know, Steve Coogan, once you get Steve Coogan, he's the man who has everything, can't get him... No point in getting him cocaine and prostitutes, he's got those. <laughs> so I, what I thought I'd give I'd just give him a card saying, I hereby rescind all my rights to the Alan Partridge character. <laughs> that is like... Like a million pounds I've basically given him for his birthday. But I didn't, I got him some chocolates instead, because I, I did think, I don't want to do that, just in case. I do soon, I'm sick in the back of my mouth there. Uh, so, um, <laughs> seriously, it was uh, awful. We were going to just stay for the first bit, and, and, but then we stayed till, uh, I stayed up till like two o'clock in the morning, that's, I'm 48 years old, it's pathetic. Uh, I do want to read, this is from a man called Rob Forth. Are you in, Rob? No, uh, he was in last week's or one of the last week's episodes uh, and uh, we were talking about sterling silver, if you were there. He says, I was the beard, beardy guy at the podcast on Sunday who told you the origins of the word sterling to describe the pound couldn't possibly come from silver because as everyone knows, the pound was based on the gold standard. Well, it turns out I was completely wrong and the gold standard only came in the 18th century. Prior to that, the value of the pound was in fact based on the value of a pound of sterling silver, like I said. <laughs> Here's a link to the article that explains it further. Te- telegraph.co.uk. Uh, please feel free to out me as a fucking idiot that I am. <laughs> In a cruel twist of irony, I contributed 60 of the aforementioned pounds sterling to the Kickstarter, thus guaranteeing there'll be video evidence of my wrongness over the humanity. Uh, so that is from... That's from Rob Forth. Rob Forth. That's kind of quite... That's, it's like a good name for a, for a burglar, isn't it? Rob, go, go forth and rob. 
Uh, but anyway, there we go. You can have that as well. Uh, Andy, that's, that's for you. Uh, and uh, oh, no, and my other big news was I did a gig at the Albert Hall with Cliff Richard uh, on Friday. I'm really hobnobbing, I with art. There was all sorts. Uh, I was at was, uh, Steve Coon's party. There were so many people who'd be brilliant guests on uh, Rehearsal. But I, I felt it was inappropriate to ask them. And I talked to Julia Davis, who I really wanted to get on. I've never talked to her in my life before. And I was, I, was, I was very drunk and very tired. And I said, yes, we've well, had your friend on uh, the, the, you know, the... And then I couldn't remember uh, Jessica Hines' name. Uh, and literally for a minute, just had to stand there trying, until I went playing charades, basically. And, you know, your friend. Uh, your friend. She was in space. I mean, how embarrassing is that? So I don't think Julia Davis will be coming on. And if she does, I won't remember what her name is. Uh, but, yeah, I was on... I was, I'll, I'm doing a gigs at the Royal Albert Hall on Friday nights but uh, comparing in the little room called the Elgar rooms I'm sure Edward Elgar is delighted <laughs> that, he, that I am swearing in his room uh, and uh, Cliff Richard was on uh, the main in the main stage he was doing he's doing well for a 75 year old man uh, and uh, yeah <laughs> got away with that he? so it's uh, it's but his uh, <laughs> Honestly, I, when I arrived there, it's always the interval, and his fans were kind of... I mean, they're really so ancient. His, it's just kind of... They were all kind of hobbling along and that. It, it was genuinely like being in a kind of benign episode of The Walking Dead. It, it really was. There wasn't a single person under 80 there, I would say. Though, you know, on the plus side, that did mean they were safe. So, um, they were safe. They were safe to be there. So, um... Uh, so, it was like being weird being heckled by Cliff Richard was playing, you know, he was calling me a devil woman all the way through my set, so it's hard to come back from that one. Anyway, look, we're going to crack straight on. Our guest today is probably best known as the narrator of the, the Dave programme, 24 Hours to Go Broke, which I'm sure, sure you all watch. It's John Finnemore, ladies and gentlemen, it's John Finnemore. Here he is. Hooray. Come on in, welcome. Sit down, pick up a microphone and talk into the microphone. It's uh, very low tech. How are you doing? It's lovely to have you here. Thank you, very lovely to be here. And uh, what do you remember about uh, the uh, 24 hours to go broke <laughs> job? It must um, have been quite, quite What I mostly remember was that they basically wanted... I mean, they never told me this, but it was clear from the script and from the direction, they wanted Dave Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not Dave Lamb. I, no. I sort of did more and more of an impression of Dave Lamb. <laughs> uh, and they seemed happy with that. OK. Yeah. Do you remember the episode I was in? I do, yeah. yeah you had a lovely time. <laughs> it was kind of an insane... I don't know if you saw the show. It's kind of... Not, I, I, I like to pick, hope that people don't see the stuff like that. Because they pay quite well, and then and it's quite an embarrassing show where you go and... We had to go to Armenia and spend as much money as we could. It was an odd one, wasn't it? Because it felt like there was some... And people did criticise it. It felt like <laughs> there was something a bit queasy. So you're given... The production company gave two comedians a big sum of money and they had to go to a poor part of Europe. But not like really poor, but quite poor, like yeah. Armenia or Iceland. Well, Iceland's not... No, it is. Uh, <laughs> and, and spend it on stuff. And it kind of feels wrong. But then when you analyse it, there's nothing wrong about it. They're putting the money into a community. It's fine. Yeah. But it just doesn't feel right, does it? It doesn't feel right. We did try to get... And you did make a lot out of that. Well, we that was tried, it was you interesting because we were being criticised before it even started. And I did think, you know, I was queasy about doing it a little bit because I think this you know, might be judged in the wrong way. But then I thought, you know, we want to try and get as much money to nice people as possible. Yeah. But you still... We, it was very difficult. It was something like... I think I'd spend... 
I don't even know how much it was, £10,000. Yeah. I think it might have been £8,000 because it was so difficult to spend £10,000 in Armenia. <laughs> right. Everything was so cheap. Yeah. So even going to the pot, we, we booked the presidential suite for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and it was still like 100 quid or something. So, uh, but, uh, and then we went to a casino. And there was so that, well, that money didn't go to the poor people of Armenia. I remember now being in my little voiceover booth, uh, realising that it was my job today to commentate on Richard Herring and David Baddiel feeding each other chocolates in dressing gowns. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And yet, you know, when I told my careers advisor that's what I wanted to do, he'd laughed at me. <laughs> We had a really, uh, the, my favourite thing about it is we had we were in the presidential suite and we wanted to get like some sandwiches or whatever. Put, but, and we rang down and the guy was so grumpy, the most furious yeah. motorbike in the <laughs> world. Just, like, <laughs> it was like rooms that was going. He didn't want to bring us whatever yeah. he had, and he didn't have any of the stuff we wanted. It was, um, it was you know, I enjoyed it, but uh, there we go. I don't think anyone else did. Uh, so I've been I've been having a lovely time this morning uh, through my hangover, listening <laughs> to you uh, on on your various uh, programmes, which oh, I. Uh, that is how they're best experienced. Yeah, yeah when, when you wish you were dead. Through a yeah. fuck. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you've done. I mean, you, we were talking backstage about you. Obviously, do a lot of work on uh, Radio Four. Mm-hmm. So you've got your own yep. sketch show. You've got uh, your own sitcom, yep. which has just come to an end. Uh, yep. And uh, you do things like the Now Show. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting to be interesting to me that you, uh, as a writer. Writing for the radio is not very well paid. No. And not that many people necessarily hear what you're doing. True. Uh, <laughs> which has kind of put me, kind of put me off. <laughs> but it's, there's, it, there's an incredible standard to it. And I was, I was asking, because I, I wondered if you had lots of writers on the souvenir programme, but you write that yourself as well. No, I like some megalomaniac idiot. Yeah. I write the whole thing, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a lot of work. How many series of the, of the sketch uh, We're just about to do our fifth. Right. So, yeah, and each one is three hours of material and in order to get three hours of material I like I need to write four hours of material right. um, and I don't really have returning no. characters or catchphrases either no. um, and I kind of made a rod for my own back there because when it started it was just at the um, like the peak of all that any sketch show that was on was was all you know religiously catchphrases and so I wanted to not you know like the same character just doing the same sketch in a yeah. different in a different set and I really wanted not to do that and so now I've kind of committed myself to coming <laughs> up with with half an hour of entirely new ideas each each episode yeah. um, but I love it I mean it's a job I always it really the job I always wanted to have yeah. um, and I get to do it with a gang of friends which is a lovely feeling and and uh, including Margaret, who works yeah. with you a lot. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, it is, I, I can't complain about it because it's, and I have co- com- complete control over it. And that's, I suppose, perhaps the answer to your question about, you know, why work for radio if, it, if it's, you know, it's not well paid. But you, once they say you can do it, it's quite hard to get them to say, to commission it, but once they do, they more or less leave you and your producer alone yeah, to, well, that's to, true. to make is, the show. And so you can make the show that you think is the funniest possible, and then yeah. they can decide if they want any more. Yeah, it's, it's quite, I mean, sketches, I, you know, I, I started writing sketches at yeah. university, as I presume did, you did yeah. as well, but it, even when I was doing it, it felt like quite an old-fashioned medium. Oh, yeah. It's come back and forth a little bit, but it yeah. does, there's, I mean, a lot of your stuff has that kind of feel of being, well, while still being quite current and still being... It has a, has a oh, sort of nostalgic I, feeling to it. Absolutely, and especially on the radio, that yeah. adds to that. And I, I do like a sort of... I, I, I like a sketch with a... I just think there's something about the classical structure and having a proper punchline, for instance, yeah. that, that all of my favourite sketches did. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've become comfortable with literally opening a sketch with the sound, with an old-fashioned doorbell, <laughs> and shop door going ding-ding, and me go, good morning, madam. <laughs> because sometimes that's the best, easiest way to get into a sketch. And yeah. to, to, to try too hard to avoid it uh, just 
you know, you just end up with 30 seconds of dead time before you get to the first joke. Yeah. And, but cabin pressure feels like a little bit... Is it, is it a nod to things like the Navy Lark and stuff like that? It feels it, feels it has a... Yeah, yeah. I mean, of, I... I I don't know how conscious that was. There's definitely, uh, there's also a, there's a kind of dad's army thing about the central dynamic of yeah. the, the one in charge who isn't confident to be in charge and, there's, and, the, and the second in command who really ought to be in charge. You know, yeah. that's straightforward Mannering and Wilson. Yes. And so, okay. yeah, I think it's got a lot of, a, a lot of those is, things running through it. You know, it's, they're all, it's all really good what you're doing. Doesn't, you've worked really hard at it. You don't, don't need to work that hard as the radio. So I don't need to. You don't need to work as hard as that because it's just going on the radio. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't. I feel sorry for you. Obviously, like with the oh, damn with cabin pressure, I was listening. I think you must have worked for like a, two or three weeks on this one script. Oh yeah, yeah. No. And you know you've been paid maybe five hundred quid. <laughs> that's, that's not really. You don't work so hard. Just just, just phone it in uh, more. Okay. Try it. Right, it's thank really, you. it's really. Thank good. you, Uncle Rich. And I'm sure work. this is good advice. <laughs> yeah. Don't let that's what, I'll write it down. That's what I did. I, when I read radio stuff, I just didn't work that hard on it. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, they won't have me back anymore. That's weird. Uh, and you won a silver Sony award. Yeah, that's the best you can get. Yeah. Well, <laughs> second no best. no higher accolade than best silver. to bronze. That, the, the bronze <laughs> well, I was going to ask if you were disappointed you didn't. Well, we got the bronze the, well, the year before. For the, for the, was it for this? I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, because yeah, I was there, not winning it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, we briefly interviewed you in that. Uh, so oh, it was yeah. 2014. You've asked you you own that Sony Award forever now because that was the last Sony Award. Yeah, that's so right. So you yeah. are the current silver Sony Award oh, forever. Oh, I see. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it as long that. as it yeah, runs. Great. Good. Unless it comes back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, we gave, you had 22,854 people apply for the 200 tickets for yeah. the last episode. Yeah. So that's yeah, quite that a successful sitcom. Yeah, like, I, mean, I know they're, they're free tickets, but even so, that yeah. is, that's, a, that's a good hit rate. Yeah, no, that that was that was extraordinary, and obviously there was a, a great big Benedict Cumberbatch-shaped reason yeah. for that. But nonetheless, well, I think it's definitely part of it. Obviously, I think we foolish to say it wasn't, but it's. But I think that's the that's the level of uh, fandom you have for it. It's, you did about twenty. Did you do twenty six episodes, twenty seven episodes? I like to call it twenty six. Yeah. We ended up splitting the because, uh, as you know, but. Others may not. Uh, they happen to be all. Um, they're all named after the destination that the, the, it's set in an airline, and it's named after the destination the plane's flying to that week. And so I do an alphabet's worth. And uh, but then we ended up splitting the final episode Zurich into two yeah. episodes because half an hour wasn't long enough. And uh, so it's sort of 27. But I think of it. I think of that as a two-parter. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So do you feel you can't? Because couldn't you now go to places that start A A B B? I mean, it's quite hard. Uh, yeah. Aaron's, no, Aaron's Hill. You could do that's in Somerset that's the first oh, one. Oh, I see it's starting at I was yeah. thinking more Addis Ababa oh, Barton, do that as well. Chipping Camden I mean, that, would, <laughs> that would be Let's possible Let's all fly to Chipping Camden <laughs> In my system it, when you get to Baba it gets quite hard to yeah, think yeah, about Your, your system works for one <laughs> extra episode Or they could end in A so you could go ah, to that's true. and then end in B then end in yeah, C yeah. That would be nice sort of, then it's a mirror image all the yeah, way through Yeah, I mean I, I, but to be honest I didn't, I didn't just go if only there were more letters <laughs> I would carry this on that was it was part of the reason I stopped there but not then maybe the whole reason <laughs> and so Benedict became famous sort of halfway yeah, through yeah that was uh, that was extraordinary so uh, basically Sherlock started after series two of Captain Pressure right. and then we did a Christmas special between series two and three and that was the one where I 
arrived at the theatre and there was just a queue of teenage girls right literally around the block of the you know the Rada theatre yeah. in Cheney Street and uh, never seen I'd never seen that in that location before <laughs> it was extraordinary um, and I you know I've, I've, I've said this before but it, it, it's, it uh, I, I was terrified at that moment because I thought this is going to be a disaster they're all here purely for him they've no idea what this sitcom is they've probably not much idea what Radio 4 is they're not going to be listening to the plot they're not going to care about anything except uh, you know when he opens his mouth and I was absolutely wrong both yeah. then and subsequently they were a lovely intelligent audience and yeah they, they squealed when he said something vaguely <laughs> sexy but they also listened to Stephanie Cole and laughed at her j- jokes as well they were yeah. great and continue to be great they have conventions now they have international conventions <laughs> yeah. this year's was in Berlin <laughs> are they, they doing them in alphabetical order are they doing each convention, <laughs> <laughs> the convention I can't two. believe they missed that trick yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a very it's a very good cast I mean, you, you tried yeah. to do it for the TV or did is it, were you saying that we you, had a yeah we had a so, um, but and it's never been officially turned down, but um, no. it's looking less and less likely. Because um, they're yeah. they're very strong characters. They're really brilliant actors in oh, it, you. and you are also in it. Yes, yeah. there's <laughs> three brilliant actors, and then this and then this guy. I mean, you can imagine how much I felt that on the first yeah. first recording, though. You know, like sure. the, so it's um, you know, in case you don't know it, as many of you won't, it's Benedict Cumberbatch, Roger Allen, and Stephanie Cole. Now that cast, even then, even before Sherlock, they could have, for instance, opened a new play at the National. You know, if you heard that, oh, such and such a play will be starring though it's the three hander with those three you go yep yeah, no that sounds that sounds about right perfectly reasonable and they were all doing this stupid radio four sitcom that no one's ever heard of because it's brand new and i'm in it there am i saying yeah i'm also one of the quartet of actors <laughs> so yeah i was a bit terrified but um, it, that, you're very good at it it's very funny I was well i wrote myself a comedy you know i get yeah. to be the comedy idiot so i don't have to do any acting which is great <laughs> <laughs> except there's two episodes where i do have to do some acting and uh both of which I play against the, um, a, a recurring guest star, Timothy West, as my father, yeah. as my character's father. And there's, so there's these two scenes where I sort of have to, uh, you know, and there's Roger and Ben next time. And, so, <laughs> and, and, and I'm trying to, trying to do my acting face. It was, it was terrifying. <laughs> so you studied um, at uh, Cambridge University. You did a dissertation on Thomas Hardy. I did, yes. Icon, icons, Frames and Freedom in Jude the Obscure. I, yes, I'd forgotten the title, but what? yes, it was definitely, a, it was definitely about Jude the Obscure. I what know that is much. your fam- favourite frame in Jude the Obscure? There's <laughs> 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 this lovely big wooden one around the, um, uh, the bit of Jude the Obscure you would like is yeah. where uh, somebody flirts with Jude the Obscure. Oh, yeah. You know this? No, I don't. By know. throwing a bull's pizzle at him. Oh, really? Yeah. Now they're all at work in the farm, and uh, she thinks he's a bit of a right, so she expresses her affection by lobbing a bull's pizzle well, at yeah, him. Yeah, they use them as whips. The, the Is that right? Yeah, well, that's when I went to the Icelandic Penis Museum. Ah, of course, yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> well, this is why I thought of you. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> I, I do know all about I know who like this. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about the genitalia of every animal, especially Icelandic ones. So, yeah, they that's have... like they, a weird superpower. <laughs> yeah. They, they use them to drive cattle. Right, yeah, okay. So okay. Nice. I think uh, Emma Kennedy was... Uh, I was reading today. I think it was Jude the Obscure. Does he go to Oxford? Jude, does, he does Jude yeah. the yeah. Obscure? Does he go? To, <laughs> he does. does. He go the Obscurely to, goes. But she was. Uh, she was. route to Oxford. She was inspired to go to Oxford because of Jude the Obscure. Really? Went to Oxford. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a very nice time there. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised. Did she finish the book? <laughs> <laughs> I think she did. Admit she never the moral nice of book. the story is basically: don't go to Oxford. Your <laughs> children will kill themselves. <laughs> Why is he? I don't want to read the book. What's it about? Why is he called Jude? <laughs> what's, 
Why is he Jude the Obscure? What's He's obscure on? because he lives in rural Dorset and okay. he wants to go to Oxford. And What's his actual name? Uh, Forley, I think. Okay. Well, yeah. You did quite well. <laughs> uh, did better than I expected on that. I may so. have made that up. <laughs> no, I'm fairly sure it's Paulie. Were you in an episode of the of Family Guy? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Just, I still don't know why. <laughs> I mean, obviously, someone dropped out. But even even given... No, I mean, that's just an obvious fact. And, I, you know, they, they only got me to do it two or three days before the recording. But even with somebody dropped out, there's so many people you go through before you got to me. And this really isn't false modesty. This is just, you know, looking through spotlight and going, well, why not him? Why not him? But it was lovely. Yeah, no, I got a phone call. I was visiting my parents in Dorset because, like Jude, I'm obscure yep. and live in Dorset. And I don't, but I don't live there, but I grew up there. And so I was back there visiting the folks. And I got a call, call from my agent saying, oh, you've got a casting for tomorrow. And I said, yeah, but as you know, I'm, I'm away, so I can't do that. Said, okay. It's, it's the family guy, though. Oh, all right. <laughs> Maybe I'll come in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nothing part. It's an absolute... And this is the other thing that's surprising about it. They had... So it's a British episode. Or I think only a third of it. It's a, fa- a viewer mail one. So it's only a, a third of it is... Um, the, the idea is that uh, Family Guy was also based on a British sitcom like The Office, and so this is the original okay. sitcom. It's a uh, funny idea. And so they've got various... The British guest stars they have are Ricky Gervais, Chris O'Dowd, and Tom Hollander. (laughs) And they've got this line, and they're all doing parts, and they've got this line where a continuity announcer basically says, and now the British, I think it's The Price is Right or something. And, you know, no joke to it at all to introduce their little sketch. Why they couldn't have got, you know, Tom (laughs) Hollander to do a voice, or for goodness sake, Seth MacFarlane, who is already doing two British voices in that cartoon, (laughs) to do a third British voice for that nothing line. I don't know, but I'm very glad they didn't. Because <laughs> sometimes you go on IMDb and think someone's put that in as a joke. Yeah. Uh, and then... <laughs> or there's two John Finnemore. Uh, yeah. I mean, because there is that. There's a Victorian who wrote books about Robin Hood. And I was so going to say, gets... yeah, I've, I found oh, out about that. him. Okay. I was going to say that you were the British school teacher and write a fictional novel and geography text writing about Teddy Lester and his friends at Slapton for Boy's Own Paper, and you died on the 17th of December 1915 of heart failure. <laughs> yeah, you know, my... my, my <laughs> this is very much the second act of my... Uh, of my my favourite of your books in that guys, yeah. was a boy, sco- a, bo- a boy Scout in the Balkans. <laughs> I'd really like to read that book. My favourite is uh, the series of, of travel guides for children he wrote called Peeps at Many Lands. <laughs> So it's the title first, so it's John Finnamore, the author first, so it's John Finnamore peeps at many lands. And then each one is called John Finnamore peeps at Israel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there it is. And of course what it actually means is John Finnamore is uh, cheerfully and flamboyantly racist about Israel. (laughs) Because it's 1880, why not? (laughs) Or 1910 or something. So was that when you found out about him? Was that a weird moment? Or did you know he's not from your family or anything? No, no, uh, there's no connection that I know of. I I found out about him because uh, my girlfriend at the time gave me a first edition of one of his books. And it's a lovely, one of the school story ones, actually. And it's one of those lovely ones with a, you know, a chap in cricket whites catching a ball on the front (laughs) that you see in uh, pubs these days. Um, And so I was really tickled with it and loved it. And then when I started to do this as a career, the egotistical part of me, which is quite a lot of me, uh, got really pissed off because it means, for instance, on Wikipedia, I have to be John Finnamore, brackets, writer, and the other guy gets to be John Finnamore, brackets, author. (laughs) I want to be the author. 
oh, I just want to be John Finnamore. That is only one. <laughs> Do you worry that you might be him again, living life again, and you will die at the age of 52? Constantly. Yeah, well? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's become like a weird Woody Allen film style obsession. Yeah, I, can't, I'm, I'm, I hope I can live long enough to see you get to 52, and I'm going to be watching you on tenterhooks. It's going to be nice if you did. It'd be not, well, like, be cheering, nice, it? like recently this year, cheering the Queen through becoming the longest <laughs> yeah, monarch. Yeah. I oh, hope she makes it. I hope she <laughs> makes it. Yeah, she's through. I mean, I'd be sad you were dead, but it would be also really cool if you did die on the yeah. exact, to the day. Yeah. Just be cool. Yeah. I'd go, oh. Wow. Just as I finish, John Finnamore Jr. peeps at Syria. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually might be why I die. <laughs> Certainly if I take the same attitude the original did. <laughs> And uh, I was listening to you on the Now Show as well. Do you still do you still do the Now yeah, Show? Yeah, yeah. Um, I try not to listen to the Now Show if I can help it. Oh right, okay. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. But you but you get to do like long eight minute eight minute monologues of it's, your own. I mean, that's what's amazing about yeah. it. I, I really think that the uh, what is great about the Now Show is that it provides that. There's nothing really like it anywhere else. The little platform where different stand-ups or writers or comedians can. Just do five minutes on a story, on a something they find interesting that may or may not be a, a news story, and they, you know, you can do that in so many different styles. Everyone approaches it their own way, but yeah. but there's a lovely. It's basically like having a newspaper column, but you get to act it as what you, you know, you get to do funny voices as well. Yeah. No, I love it. It's sort of weird to me that in England or UK we don't have the Daily Show. Of, yeah, you know, and we, we God have, knows we've tried, but yeah. it never seems to work. I don't but know why it, not. It seems to be, you know, that seems to. Well, you, you, I was listening to a couple of them, but the, you're probably the most famous one you did was the about the phone hacking, which yeah. Is, well, I was so lucky with that one because. Uh, so the week the Millie Dowler story broke, so the way the news quiz, the news quiz, the now show works is we meet on the Tuesday and sort of divvy up the stories and work out what the two main sections that Stephen Pete, Stephen Hugh do are going to do, and then um, uh, you know uh, uh, anyway. So the story broke, I think, on the Monday or Tuesday, but at that stage it was kind of mostly still about a murdered teenager. It wasn't quite certainly wasn't clear it was going to become as big as it was, and it wasn't really clear how to do it in a funny way. So they gave it to. I think I think in fact they asked me to do it, and I said, yeah, I'm sure. I can find something and then of course as the week went on it became the story of the you know obviously the week and then really the month and the year uh, and so on the day that we were recording on the Thursday it was when it was really blowing up and between me finishing the piece writing the piece like an hour before we went on in that hour they closed down the news of the world right. so I had to rush upstairs while everyone else was rehearsing on mics and just frantically rewrite it yeah. because part of my piece had been was saying they're going to close news of the world because they were going to anyway don't let that don't take that. They want you just to go, oh, no, yeah, hands up, but we've killed the naughty paper that did it, and yeah. we're all nice now. Don't fall for that. <laughs> and then they did exactly what I predicted, and I had to rewrite it as, now they have. <laughs> but it's this. amazing. I mean, the, 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 it's a very good routine, but it's, but it's also amazing the way that that story has... They have succeeded, and she's now back working yeah. in the exact same job. It's all what yeah. you warn at the end. You say we have a chance to stop this happening, and we didn't, and yeah, and we didn't really... do it. And they've amazingly managed to. Rebecca Brooks has managed to get to the point where she yeah, is nothing to do with. With, with anything that happened, I know. and that's accepted. Uh, and, and, and Rupert Murdoch, throughout through all of this, is sitting there as if none of his. I did, I did a show I mean, about no page impact. three, and, and you know, it's always Rupert Murdoch was always on holiday when the decisions were made. <laughs> right. Going, oh bloody hell, my editors again doing. <laughs> Only there was some way I could stop them doing. Yeah. Stuff. And so you kind of got this idea of this guy at the head of an organisation where <laughs> he has no control over anything at all. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's an astonishing thing. So it's really not, it's really great to see proper satire being done. I, I, know, I just. Well, that was a, one of the rare occasions as well, where not only was the story big and important, but yeah. I actually felt like I had, 
and I, I often don't. I'm often not quite sure what I want to say about it, and I don't want to take the easy, you know, the, the, the route that will necessarily get the big round of applause yeah. on the night, because that's not necessarily the most interesting thing to say about it. But on this occasion, I did feel like there was something specific I could say that wasn't, you know, that, that, was, worth, that was worth saying. Other times, I, when I don't feel like that, sometimes I just sort of do a, a half on one side and half on the other, which, which works as well. But yeah. there's something very satisfying about, for once, actually having, you know, actually being cross about something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, definitely, it's on YouTube, so you can all, all listen to it. It's very, definitely worth uh, a listen. I'll ask you an emergency question oh, now. Okay. I've got some new ones. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty good. Uh, so, uh, actually, this one, this is, I'll ask this one because this is from the Kickstarter guy. I've only, there's one I haven't asked, so there's someone paid to ask this question. Okay. He's called Stefan. He hasn't given his full name. I'm going to read you his full question. I was once so ill on Uzu that a project, I, project, I, project, I projectile vomited into a woman's handbag. I probably shouldn't have read this one out, actually, thinking about it. <laughs> given, uh, <laughs> given that one feeling, feeling all right. that was six <laughs> feet away. It was on its side, and I was on the floor. It looked like calzone. I can, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a long time before we get to the question. Okay, I, can no right, longer dr- <laughs> I can no longer drink or smell any aniseed-based drink without wanting to spew my ring. I worked in a nightclub in the 90s and the Sambuca craze nearly killed me. <laughs> Thank you, Stefan, for this information. So, do you have a drink, food or thing that makes you want to be violently ill when it or a similar is in your vicinity? Um, I think the closest is liver. I think, oh, I think liver is the thing that I wouldn't, you know, whatever like, sitcom situation you could dream up for where you've got to eat it to please your, you know, your granny or the boss or whatever, I think liver's the one where I just couldn't do it. But cooked liver or just... I mean, raw liver's kind of disgusting, but he's cooked I didn't liver. even know you could... Oh, God, that hadn't even occurred to me. Can, do people eat raw liver? <laughs> they wouldn't eat it, but you have to handle it. It's a oh, disgusting right. thing. No, I'm, I, it's the cooked one. It's, the, it's yeah. the, the, the way it dissolves in your mouth and the way yeah. it tastes of old coins and the way my mum... <laughs> It does, though. It's got that horrible metallic, like, licking a battery taste. Oh, I can't stand it. Yeah, it's weird. In the, back in the 70s, before you were alive, mm. uh, they, uh, we used to, you had to eat a lot of entrails and viscera. Of, <laughs> right. you know, like, there'd be steak and kidney pies. Well, steak is nice, but kidneys yeah. are really... It's not nice. No. In a pie. No. I mean, fucking hell. Yeah, well, that's, I don't, I don't know those are you... just five places where you could have put another bit of lovely steak. <laughs> it is. Or even, you know, if, if what you're doing, obviously, is bulking it out so you don't have to use expensive steak, just yeah. put in a bit more pastry. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be fine with that. Just put in a little kidney-shaped piece of pastry. Or an, an, an onion would be nice. Or that an onion. A, bit of a lovely, delicious <laughs> onion. Yeah. yeah. Really horrible. God. UKIP want us to go back to the old days. They really should have. They haven't thought it through. It's, it's, it's the, the, the integration of a multi I bet they love society. a kidney. I bet, you, they will probably. I bet the typical UKIP voter has a plate of devil kidneys in the morning. Like, you know, like he's Bertie Worcester. Yeah, it's really horrible. Oh. I've, no, I've no idea what a deviled kidney is. What, what is deviling? Do you know what deviling is? It doesn't make it any better. That's why I know. No. <laughs> I think probably the deviling is just cutting out something's kidneys. It's, that's quite <laughs> right, a devilish yeah. way to That is what the, the devil animal would is do. still yeah. alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got no kidneys. You're going to find out this is going to be bad for you in a few hours. Um, okay, this is one of my emergency questions. Okay. Why do elephants have such low rates of cancer? Well, I'm often asked this. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that they did. They do. They? Five, they have five for five percent cancer versus twenty-five. But then of again, I didn't really know that. Obviously, I knew that 
dogs and cats get cancer? Yeah, I didn't know. Do, do, do most animals get cancer? Well, most do. The naked mole rat doesn't really get much Does it cancer. Not? But I'm, I'm guessing because the naked mole rat probably dies quite quickly of other, <laughs> of other right. issues. Of embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm a naked... I'm not just a mole rat, but I'm naked. This is like every bad dream I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> the clothed mole rats are going past, yeah. judging In their me. little, their little three-piece suits. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Whatever's happened to you, Terence? <laughs> yeah. That's how mole rats speak. Yeah. <laughs> they all vote you kip and eat double kidneys. <laughs> uh, no, but I don't know about the elephants. No. I'm afraid. Well, so you know, you can get, they don't smoke. No, no, that's true. So that that's probably true. helps. They have quite yeah. a healthy. Uh, diet. Yeah. I'm yeah. guessing. <laughs> they're mainly shot by poachers, so they don't get a <laughs> right. chance to develop. And they also have 20 TP53 genes, which is like a smoke alarm, basically, to cancer. It kind of detects the cancer and wipes it out. You learn this stuff. It's like a TED talk. It it's is. You learn, you learn stuff on this podcast, yeah. but you learn the same facts every couple of weeks. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the best way to kind of really get that home. Um, now, this is a conglomeration of two emergency questions. Would you consider having sex with a ghost as cheating on your partner? <laughs> yes. Would you? I think, I, think the, I think the clue is in the term having sex with. <laughs> yeah. I think if you... So, obviously, I can see how the two, what the two questions must have been. If you, <laughs> if you accept that you can have sex with something... Yeah then by doing it, you are cheating on the person you? with whom you promised only to have sex with that person. Uh, I promised only have sex with my wife as, as a person, but I haven't necessarily gone... I haven't said other... I'll have sex with some inanimate it's objects. It's one of those things that don't need to be put into the contract. <laughs> it's one of those, there's nowhere here does it say a dog can't play basketball thing. Is it, I, I just... You know, the test is imagining explaining that to your wife and yeah. seeing if she goes... Fair enough, I should have put it in the small print. <laughs> never made it. I don't think it's... It's definitely not cheating for the ghost to have sex with you, because it's till death us do part. So the ghost, so the ghost the, is now The ghost is in the clear. The ghost okay. can have sex with whoever they want. Fair what enough, if the I'll Because a lot of ghosts that have sex with you, they sort a of... A lot of them, they, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. A lot. So they fall down into... <laughs> fall into two main types. Right. Well, a lot. I'd say the most of the ghosts that have sex with human beings yeah. essentially rape the human being. I don't think they... They don't... They certainly don't... I, I wasn't aware of this epidemic, to be stories, honest. This is the first stories, I've heard of this. In the stories you hear, people say, I woke up and there was this, you know... No, I've never heard that story. Thing, ..and she was having sex with me. So, essentially... Right? You know, you could argue, I reckon. You could say, well, I, even if you did consent to have sex with the ghost, I think you could just tell your wife that the ghost had, had forced themselves on you. Because they're, they're, they're a ghost. Yeah. So, I think you get, could get away with it. And then your wife or partner would feel kind of sympathy for you and you could, uh, you could get in a few months of, yeah, well, yeah, sorry, I've done have the that. washing up, but remember, I, I had that thing with the ghost. <laughs> I'm still recovering, really, from the whole ghost assault. And they'd have to be. Yeah, yeah, now I think that's worth a try, really. Go for it. <laughs> if she catches me having sex, if she doesn't catch me... Do you I'm have a gonna... specific ghost in mind? <laughs> so it's a ghost uh, you've got your eye on. Well... <laughs> I mean, there's quite a lot of... And sometimes you go to, like, a stately home and there's pictures of an oil painting of a very... You know, you see an attractive woman yeah. from the 16th century and you think, that's sad, I'll never... I wonder if she's to... still... <laughs> so if she then appeared... Ooh. I wonder if she's got any unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think there were a few that I'd... Uh, you know, Marilyn Monroe, ghost of Marilyn Monroe right. came back. I think if the ghost of Marilyn Monroe came back uh -huh. and said, I want to have sex with you... You'd have to do that. You would just say, look, I'm, say I'm married, I'm, but this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 
<laughs> to have sex with the ghost of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I have to do it. All and right. I will tell my wife. I might ring my wife up and say, look, Marilyn. Yeah, I think that was the way to do it. Is. Yeah. Do I get a pass? <laughs> you can come and join in and watch. Yeah. If Arthur Miller turns up, you know, there's one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's a that's a good yeah. emergency. Have you ever seen a ghost? Well, <laughs> since you asked me for a ghost story, right, sorry that that is the closest thing I have to a catchphrase. Okay. Um, I have. I don't think I have because I don't mm. believe in ghosts. However, I have had the experience that people who say they've seen ghosts had, which is presumably some sort of waking dream. Yes, I, I yeah. saw a, a, an old Caribbean woman with a child in her arms oh, one morning. Yeah. Sorry. Was that, could it have just have been an old Caribbean woman? <laughs> there is that possibility. Yeah. <laughs> where, was, where was she? Uh, it was, was I was on house? a cycling holiday in Cuba, so yeah. I was in the Caribbean, so, you know, it's Leeds. <laughs> this is, I think it was just an yeah. old Caribbean woman. I was in my hotel room, and yeah. I woke up, and I felt completely awake, and I saw this sort of... So she was... There were two single beds in the room, and she was kind of between the two single beds, sitting down, rocking slightly, holding her baby, and I wasn't scared. Uh, I was just didn't know what was, didn't understand what I was seeing, and I watched it for, I think, about four or five minutes, and then I got up and wrote it down, just to, you know, I had some sort of memory of it, and then I could sort of kept a careful check on whether I was going to wake up, you know, if I was going to go through that waking up, and I, as far as I remember, I didn't, but... I think that's what people who see ghosts must have, some sort of waking hallucination. That is a ghost. That's definitely a ghost. I don't believe in ghosts, though. You wrote it down in case you forgot about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening in your life? Weird Caribbean old woman. I was once asleep on the floor in a dressing room on a tour when I was hungover and we'd been drinking all day, as we used to on the tour. I used to be like this all the time. And uh, and I was I was woken up by a hag, uh, on sitting on me, ch- trying to choke me. Right. Yeah, I'm possibly trying to have sex with me. I don't know. She, that might be what she was into. And then she disappeared when I woke up. But then, uh, well, a lot of them, you know, a lot of the stories involve either waking up or being about to go to sleep. And yeah. Surely that's what's going on. I'm sure well, it was for me. The ghosts know that, though, don't they? Well, so that is when that's why they appear at that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. They're not stupid, the ghosts. <laughs> so what's the ghost's agenda, then? Do they, why, do, do they want us to know that they're there or not? They want us to be confused. <laughs> it's just like a big Well, prank. job done, ghosts. <laughs> job done. They want to make us feel like we're ridiculous and idiots. I was also listening... You've got a new show out on uh, the radio. It's quite a bit more serious. A bit more serious. The Double Axe uh, thing. Oh, I wouldn't but, say it's more serious. Well, I hope it's, it's a bit more... They're a bit more like plays rather than... I suppose uh, so, yeah. They're, um, so I, I, it feels to me like splitting the difference between the sketch show and the, the, the sitcom in that so each one is a self-contained half-hour play and they're all for only two, two uh, actors. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, what I really like is being able to finish a story in half an hour because obviously with the sitcom, which I love doing, but, and what's great there is you have developing characters that you can come back to, but you have to lead them more or less where they started at the end. Of, you know, you've got to care about something massively for half an hour and then more or less be at the same place yeah. at the start of the next episode, particularly on radio where you're expected to more to be able to... View, listeners expect to be able to listen to any episode. I do. You know, when I'm yeah. listening to the radio, I don't... I don't... Uh, I wouldn't want to be expected to know who these people are. I need to just want to... So it's, a, it's a quite an odd 
form, you know, it's a, to, to write in. It's like a, a, a quite a constraining sort of. It's almost like a, a you know, a poem form, like a villanelle yeah. or something, where you have to you have so many lines and you have to. It's got it's got that quality to it. So I'm really enjoying with these being able to come up with a story that massively changes their lives forever, <laughs> and then we never see them. I mean, they don't all have that, obviously, but they all do start somewhere and end somewhere quite different. So I've listened, is the first one out at the moment? Yeah, it's the yeah. first one with Celia Imri and the guy who uh, played Michael Palin in the... Michael yeah, Palin, oh, God, wasn't he great in that? I mean, yeah, he's he great. Was. It's Charles Edwards oh, yeah, is his it. name. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that was an astonishing performance, wasn't it? Yeah, Just, I mean, they were all good. All the, um, the, the, the Python actors, I thought, were great in that show. Yeah. But uh, there was something spooky about how he... Because Palin isn't really someone who everyone does an impression of. It's no. like, you know, anyone can do their bad John Cleese, and Darren Boyd did a really good John Cleese, yeah. but nobody even does a bad Palin. No. You know, what, how would you do a Palin impression? But he just... He was spot on. Yeah, he does look a bit like him, which helps. Yeah, that does. But, so you, you're kind of attracting very big actors to... To your work who else have you got coming up uh, we've got Alison Steadman doing one and uh, John Bird doing one and Amazing. Rebecca Front so Amazing. yeah the thing is with radio you can get another good thing about it is that you can get really decent people to do it because it's only a day out of their lives and actually the more they're the sort of people who are doing film and TV a lot these days the more actually being able to just turn up not have to learn any lines obviously do it three or four times in front of an audience or not and then you know I'll go on their way and yeah. they've done a whole play or a whole you know like in, you, you only need to do three days work and you've done a whole series of sitcom uh, and I think that makes quite a, a yeah, nice change for them yeah you know because on the film they'll do like two minutes a two two minutes a day and most of that will be sitting in their trailer waiting for planes to go past yeah. so what I find quite interesting about radio now I think in the digital age where you would imagine radio might be sort of diminished but it it, it isn't uh, and like, do you ever think about this? That when you listen to uh, six music, Radio Seven Extra or whatever, and they're yeah. playing stuff from nineteen seventy-three. Yeah, yeah. Would will people be listening to your sitcoms in fifty years' time? <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, is God quite. There's, yeah. there's no sort of reason why not. You know, I really enjoy when those when Navy Lark or something. There was yeah, one yeah. with uh, there was one with the guy from um, uh, Richard Beckinsale. Is that oh, his name? Yeah. yeah. Uh, from I'd never it was him and a baby called Baby Albert played by um, <laughs> Beryl Reed or someone like that. No, it's not even Beryl Reed. Does anyone know? It is it's such an obscure sitcom. It's called Be it's Me and Albert or something. It's called. All oh, right. It's I'm Richard Beckinsale from nineteen seventy. Quite good on obscure radio comedy, but yeah, I've never I'd heard never of heard of it. Yeah. Um, Oh, damn, it's going to annoy me now, but never mind. But yeah, so it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's weird that sometimes things from yeah. 1993 that I'm in are on the yeah, radio, yeah, yeah. and that's quite a long time ago. Well, what's, um, what's weird and, and also lovely for me is knowing that increasingly people tell me that their kids really like uh, my radio yeah. shows, and sometimes, you know, like I meet kids, come, like do, I did a stage show recently, and some, you know, it was child-friendly, and so some children came, and I met them afterwards, and they kind of quoted bits of uh, cabin pressure at me yeah. and got me to sign stuff, and you think, well, whether it's good or bad, because of the nature of... Of childhood, they'll remember. You know, if, if they loved it that much and learnt bits of it, they'll still be able to quote that. They'll be quoting that at university, and they'll probably quote it all their lives, even yeah. if it's rubbish. It's in there, just like the, you know, the goons is for me, or whatever, you know, that was before my time. But my dad played me a lot of it, and so you know, that's just. That's just in there. Yeah. Um, or actually, I tell you what, though, for, for me, one of those main things is the day to day and, <laughs> uh, and on the hour. Yeah. That was the thing, because that was the first thing I discovered. One of the first things I discovered for myself. You know, my dad didn't didn't introduce me. You know, my dad introduced me to Monty Python, but on the hour was something that I heard and was mine and that I loved. And so, yeah, I've got 
I've got bits of that just hardwired into me. <laughs> so yeah. thanks. Well, well, really, someone last night told me uh, who said was he's quite a big executive. He used to work on Fist of Fun, running enough, but he still says to his boyfriend, "You am a twat," which is something. <laughs> I said, and it's, they've lost the. It's like almost like the yeah. genesis is lost. It's just become a thing yeah. they say. Uh, so that's that's kind of interesting. Now, do you, are you aware of the uh, Dirty Britcom Confessions website? Oh God. Only because at a Christmas party, like my friends and I have this, have this uh, like meet for dinner yeah. b- before Christmas, and, and uh, like a sort of friends version of a Christmas dinner, and somebody. We do each other crackers, and someone put some of them in my cracker. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I hadn't heard of it before, and it was, I was mortified. Am I going to be mortified Yeah, now? I think you are. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I, I wasn't going to bother looking for you, and no offence. I've had people on, like Diane Morgan the other week. I thought there's going to be a lot of filthy stuff about Diane Morgan on. No, no one's had a fantasy about Diane Morgan, uh, which I find unbelievable. Uh, but uh, and that is the highest compliment I can pay. <laughs> but John Finnamore has just fucking hundreds of them. This is the this is the mo- this is like I just see how you feel about this. Um, you know you know I, what know, it is. I already know how so, I'm going to feel about it. Um, see if you're up for it. Thinking of John Finnamore making me come with just his fingers. Soon, <laughs> soon wanting to taste me after eating me out until I come with his mouth on me. Thighs pressing nicely against his fuzzy face. <laughs> Won't like you at the moment. Not Clean so shaven at the moment. <laughs> Fingers slightly tugging his hair as he licks until I've come down. Uh, he holds me close. Oh, not ex- <laughs> just a novel. Not expecting reciprocation, but I do so want to, and bring him to climax by hand. I'd find that disappointing. <laughs> uh, you've done. I mean, she's we're not even finished there. Yeah. Does You've she... done a lot of work there, John. <laughs> You've done... I put my fuzzy face to good use there. <laughs> and then a little hand job. In the hand, and then just, like now, once you're over 16, and I, hand jobs, the, I mean, even doing it to myself now, I find quite boring. I never thought that would be the case. You have to pretend you're a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but so, maybe if I could de- actually inject my arm so it died... Yeah, you should do yeah, that. And yeah. Just, and yeah, no, I think that's and then it would scheme. literally be a ghost. Yeah. That would make it more enjoyable. But it's, you know, it's not great, is it? It's not a hand job, it's not a great way of. Anyway, it's not finished. Uh, what? <laughs> my name on his lips as he does so. So she's. Okay. I think it's a girl. She's, wa- <laughs> she's wanking off, and you're going, oh, Sandra. Oh, oh. It's just not as good. Cause... Especially at like a. Wa- I can imagine like another guy could do it quite well, but like a woman doesn't hasn't had enough experience to do the hand job efficiently. I don't really like having my foreskin yanked back as far as it'll go. I know a lot of men like that don't do carry on doing that, ladies. It's just me. I don't when they really just when they squeeze it. I don't like that, so that is that wouldn't work for me. Okay, uh, it goes well, on. Uh, Richard, our session's nearly up for this week. <laughs> <laughs> He kissing me sweetly after he holds me tight, we dozing off in each other's arms. I've written, we dozing off in each other's arms. That person can't even write. That's nice, I like that bit. Yeah, you like that. that, I mean, there's sort of sweetness to that. Yeah. Uh, This is another one. Good, good. (laughs) 
was hoping there would be. Frenzied, primal, throwing each other against every oh. surface, hair every pulling. Surface. Yeah. Crikey. <laughs> Casping. I just can't. The ceiling? I mean, yeah. that's a lot of surfaces. I just can't. I'm not, I'm or not does she mean different textures? You know, <laughs> yeah, throwing me against, you know, sawdust and then <laughs> pebbled ash and then all the, all the, all the surfaces. Yeah, all <laughs> Marble. Surface. Hard pounding, daytime quickies and exquisitely, excruciatingly slow, spoony morning sex with John Finnamore, heaven. Well, it, it, actually, it does sound nice. I don't, ima- I don't imagine you, when I'm imagining having sex with you, yeah. I don't imagine you being all that. I just think you're... I think you'd be quite straight up and not do stuff like that. Well, thanks a bunch. I think you'd be quite... <laughs> I picture you as quite... So you didn't think I'd be on this side, <laughs> and you don't think I'm any good in bed. I don't think... That's not what I think about when I think about you. All right. Um, Wow. I would totally... I'll prove you wrong. <laughs> I will not prove him wrong. <laughs> I would totally kneel in front of John Finnamore, sucking him and licking his cock and let him come all over me. That's just one of my... That's a delightful uh, so... <laughs> uh, Let's see if there's... There's so many. There's so many in here. I, is this, I mean, I don't feel free it... to skip some. No, I have skipped one. <laughs> I want to be John Finnamore's wet-nosed cub. Does that mean... Is that a reference to something? Yeah, that's a line from Miranda, which okay. I pop up in as a, okay. a guest star. Is it a, is it a sexual role? No, playing? no, it's a utterly... Um, it's a, me and Margaret playing oh, yeah. a, uh, a revolting friends who are firstly very lovey-dovey and then awful baby, you know... Um, People, like, people who have just had a baby and yeah. the first people who ever invented it, that, yeah. that sort of yeah, character. Yeah, I hate those people. Oh, those those, those <laughs> bastards always going on and on and on about their boring, boring <laughs> child. Don't know if you've met anyone like that. <laughs> uh, here's this one I quite like. Before I'm 30, I would like to spend an entire day in bed with John Finnamore. It's like, that's like one of those bucket list things. That's in, the, that's, in the, that's in the list. You must climb Mount Kilimanjaro, do a parachute jump, spend a day in bed that, with John Finnamore. That's a reference to a sketch I did oh, about, those, uh, oh. about those lists and how horrible they are no. and how I don't, you know, the last thing I need is, <laughs> is some pressure to go to Bali or to go swimming with sharks. You know, that's, anyway, so, yeah, that's what that's all about. I get aroused by John Finnamore in a dressing gown. I mean, I could go on. I mean, don't feel you have to. <laughs> I might do. <laughs> Sometimes when John Finnamore gets insomnia, he stays up doing a Q&A on Twitter. I can think of more fun things he could be doing, and I'll happily volunteer to join him next time he can't sleep. Scrabble. She's talking about Scrabble. It could be, it could be that. <laughs> so, you know, just be aware that as you're I've got doing options. those Q&As... That's, they're, good. They're, That's good to hear. Just ask, you know. I mean, I'll do be... they come with emails? <laughs> no, I'm the, not interested. The thing I don't really understand about this website is most comedians, if you just say, can I throw you against every surface and, yeah, and yeah. suck your cock, they'll go, yeah. <laughs> most of them will go, yeah. Uh, so you don't have to worry too much about it. And you've been on I'm Sorry, I Haven't a Clue. That's, oh, that's that was amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, terrifying, but uh, they were lovely. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, as I was saying, growing up with growing up with radio comedy and that was absolutely one of my favorites and yeah. to actually yeah to be on it and then I've, I've been on it twice now because once i i was sort of on it properly as it were and then i stood in at last minute when um Barry Cryer had an ear infection. He was fine, but he couldn't do it. That's the good thing about um, that. They're all so old. <laughs> there, there will be a lot of chances to sit in. And... But because that was at a moment's notice, that meant that I got to do a, um, a Hamish and Dougal sketch oh, really? with, that Graham Garden had written with Graham Garden as Angus and Dougal. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, can you imagine? That was absolutely fam- amazing. Yeah. Cool. Um, where do you get your crazy ideas from, though? Oh. How do you, where do you... Where do you the crazy how do you ideas. How do you come up with all this, that stuff? Where's it? How does it... 
Was it drug? I mean, drug, take drugs? Do you it's, think it's uh, ideas? Well, I mean, firstly, as you were as you were hinting earlier, my ideas aren't that crazy. <laughs> you know, how do I come up with my dull pedestrian ideas about sketches in shops? Well, <laughs> no, I um, I mean, mostly the dull answer is mostly just by that being the job and sitting down with notebooks on trains often and trying to come up with ideas. Very rarely. Yeah, but where do they have, where do they come from then? Do where do they actually come from? Where do they come from? How do you come up with them? I can, I mean, I was in a pub garden. I said, do you, I mean, yeah. I, I, is this a serious? I can tell no, you how one... No, but tell me. Well, like, <laughs> nothing serious, but, you know, like, sometimes it well, leads... this is to... interesting, because this is like, this is a three-legged dog that gave me two different sketches. Okay. <laughs> okay so I was in a pub garden trying to think of ideas, and three-legged, three-legged dog ran past, sat at the bottom of a tree, and sort of quivering with excitement, because there was a pigeon at the top of a tree, and he was just sort of quivering, looking up at them, and it just seemed to me like he was saying, if only I had my other leg, I would get you. <laughs> and so that struck me as funny, and uh, so I wrote that down, and then nothing came of it, because that's a like, funny thing to have noticed, and maybe if I was a stand-up or wrote for a stand-up, I could have made something out of that, but there's no real way of putting that into a sketch. And I'm going to condense this down, but basically, I just sort of, well, what's, what was funny about it is a sort of unknowingness of, uh, there's, and then there's, the, and anyway, it eventually came into, one was through, one turned into one page became a sketch about Quasimodo uh, and how Victor Hugo uh, sort of coming back to the cathedral and saying, Quasimodo, I've written a book about you. Oh, I'm so honoured. I've taken all those tales and I've written them up into, oh, oh this is wonderful. And I, look, I, I've given you the first edition as a gift of my new book, The Hunchback <laughs> of Notre Dame. You called it what? <laughs> uh, and then the other one became a sketch about a dog waking up in the vet and going, oh God, I'm here again, this awful place. Oh God, last time they, last time they took my, no, no, it's fine. But uh, you know, they sort of, oh God, I've, set, I've done this wrong because I've miss, missed up the setup. But it was about <laughs> how a dog who's had his leg, had one leg amputated for very good medical reasons because his owner loves him and he's paying a lot of money for it, how he'd feel when he woke up and went, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I have really, really massacred telling that sketch. Uh, that's but, good. Um, yeah, no, it's, that's it's, where I get my ideas from, three-legged dogs. Yeah, mainly from... I get a lot, but I have a lot of ideas that I can't... But there's a lot of... I, nearly all my ideas, I think that'd be a good episode of Man Down with Greg Davis. And <laughs> on, the other day, like a waitress... had a waitress delivery. That's who I'm okay. Uh, the guy... And it came really early in the morning. I'd forgotten it was coming to the door. And the guy rang the doorbell, and I've got, like, a, an ants phone thing. So I said, hello. And then it was just this, like, a zombie going... Oh, oh, and I was going, hello, I can't hear... Oh, oh, and then I saw his hand pressing oh, against the glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and I was like, oh, what's going on? And then I kind of remembered it was the delivery, and I went to him, and it was like... Then it was a deaf guy oh, delivering right, right. the... And then he was going, I'm sorry, I'm deaf. And I was going, oh, God, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just, re it was really early in the morning, I was confused. And that kind of real embarrassment of, yeah. you know, some, but then actually genuinely scared, thinking, well, not that yeah. it was a zombie, but that some, someone, yeah, was, there was someone was yeah. attacking my hand. I don't know why he put his hand on me. It was just so, <laughs> was this place. Because yeah. <laughs> I think he also just that knocked on the door. That makes you think he knew well. a little bit about what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> about and what we once went to, a, and this is, um, we might cut this out, Dave, but this would be a very good Greg Davis episode. This, uh, we went to a solicitor to make, have a will made, and, uh, and about halfway through, I noticed that the solicitor had one really massive hand. <laughs> like, really massive. <laughs> just seriously. Right. Just this big hand. And, I'd look, and then I was looking at my wife and going... <laughs> <laughs> that big. 
I meant you're not wanting to mention it because yeah. you know what it's about. But then it's just like real, like it's like you're in a sketch. Yeah. And there, you know, and, and I think you know, I can imagine Greg Davis, for example, or someone like being in that situation and yeah, being, yeah. finding it funny. Yeah. But then discovered that it was some complication. I look, looked afterwards at some complication from some awful cancer that leads to that. So it's not at all funny, but we're in a Greg, in a, but it's sort of weird when suddenly halfway through a conversation with someone, you notice something like yeah, that and then you yeah, don't yeah. know what to... Yeah. That's where I get my crazy ideas from. <laughs> um, but we might cut that out because that's probably too much information and she might... Um, oh, we're, we're, if we're cutting, then cut out me trying to explain one of my sketches no, no, that's backwards in, that's as well. <laughs> She's probably dead now. Uh, so... Um, She did a terrible job on the wheel, I have to say. So, yeah, she genuinely did. They never, we never got it in the end. It was awful. Oh. She was awful. If you, if you go to that woman, you'll know who it is. When you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let, I'll ask you. I thought I had some more new... I've got lots of questions about... I mean, this is now getting untopical. Uh, have oh, you no. ever put your genitals in the mouth of a dead animal? I have not had that honour, no. no, no. Living animal? No, no, sorry. I mean, maybe you're right about me being very bad in bed, <laughs> yeah. very, uh, very unadventurous, but no. A human being is an animal, so you just oh. admitted you've never had oral sex. So I w- <laughs> Sport is intrinsically stupid. Discuss. Well, there's not much to discuss, is there? I mean, it just is. Yeah, I mean, it is intrinsically stupid. I, I mean, it appears to be... The rugby is still happening. Mm. Have we, the rugby's been going on... All year, on the year, for years. I, I can't remember a time before the rugby. It's just always been rugby now. We live in, in a time of rugby. And, uh, yeah. I mean, no, it's not intrinsically... Stu- I just, but I don't understand why it's one of the most important things. I don't yeah. understand why it's, like, the back page of every paper and, and the whole channels and... No, I don't get that. It's a game. I love games. Yeah. But you don't get... Yeah, why isn't, why isn't Scrabble there? Yeah, I like Scrabble. I think yeah. Scrabble should be... Televised more. <laughs> just people just. The thing is, it. I wouldn't watch it if it was. No, but I, I still, boring. yeah. No, I, I, I don't really get sport. I thought in the Rugby World Cup, like England just lost to Wales in that game. Really, cl- it was really close. And if they'd won, they'd probably have gone through. And if they like, they just made one like they had one yeah. really close game. And everyone's going, oh, England are rubbish. And they didn't. They nearly beat, won a game, and then they didn't quite win it. And they just cut them some. Slack. And it's just when you stop arbitrarily when you stop. You know. Yeah. But I know it's not, and I know I'm, this is yeah. Uh, like schoolboy whining, but yeah, it does. I, I, I can't really get it. I suppose it's because it's so badly plotted. Obviously, when you see a good one, it's amazing. When you see, uh, I, every so often, if it's a World Cup or something, I'll get into it. And when you see a good one, it's great. And you see, oh, now I finally see what all the fuss is about. And then you watch another one and it's a nil-nil draw. And there's no plot. You know, there's no... <laughs> uh, you think, well, I could have watched a movie. That was 90 minutes. And nothing... I don't mean that nothing happened. Even if stuff happens, it didn't make a good story. I wasn't satisfied by the end. The underdog didn't either win or tragedy. You know, or maybe, or they did, but it was just random. It felt, yeah, yeah unearned. Good. If you had to go on a week's holiday with one of the puppets from Spitting Image, which okay. puppet would you choose? And and remember that the puppet would choose the holiday destination. Do you remember? Oh, of that? course, yeah. Those, those <laughs> are. Rem- yeah, you're right to, to to say remember that because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've always known them all, but I uh, yeah I and had forgotten. So it would be like. Obviously, this, the speaking of Trump isn't alive. 
It's not ridiculous. It's not, we're not living in a fancy world. No, no. Uh, the operator and the impressionist oh, okay. would accompany you on the holiday, but right. they would ne- you would never be able to talk directly to them. Okay. They would only address you through the puppet. <laughs> and if you, if you attempt to interact with them in any way, they would just pretend they weren't there. Okay. But they would be there. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that, you know. They, right. To all intents and purposes, they, they Steve wouldn't Coogan wouldn't... If it was Neil Kinnock, Steve Coogan would be in the room doing the voice yeah. and c- keeping up the conversation, but you couldn't go, hey, Steve, what about um, the trip? How was that? Being? Right. You couldn't do any of that. No, you could only talk to Neil Kinnock. Hey, what are you saying? Right. That's what that's, well, uh, that's Neil, a, Neil that sounds like a dream holiday, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you don't have to take Neil Kinnock, but you can take... No, OK. Uh, and when you say they make the decision, <laughs> who... I mean, the impressionist or the, the puppet? <laughs> The pub, the, you know, they're all, right, they're all been... working together. All right. In character, they will be living in character. In... All right, because and basically, I'm, I'm taking a very cynical attitude to this. I'm just going to try and get the nicest holiday I can out of it, uh, because there's nothing that appeals to me about <laughs> going on holiday with with two people who won't talk to me and a rubber puppet that will. But if I can pick the one who'll take me to, you know, St Lucia, then. Um, that's that's I think my that's the way to profit from this situation. Michael so Winner, Michael, Michael Winner, Winner. yeah, Michael I mean, Winner, happy with Michael that. Winner, Princess Diana, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. who did those voices? Because <laughs> now I have to. Don't no, but you're right. I don't. I don't get to spend any time with the impressionist. It doesn't matter so, yeah. who the because they would just. Alan be... Wicker. I'll go with Alan Wicker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll go on a whole tour of lovely places. What's there an Alan, Alan Wicker, Wicker there must though, have been. It would be someone pretending to be Alan Wicker who wouldn't have the probably the knowledge of Alan Wicker. But it would just I don't need the knowledge. I just need the, the, the ticket, basically. Okay, I'm just after the free holiday. I'm, th- I'm taking a very joyless attitude to this joyful question. In a way, it's a, stu- it's a stupid question. In a way. Oh, no. Uh, so don't be too hard on yourself, Richard. I think question. it's a very intelligent question. Okay. I've, just, I've just addressed it very badly. Okay. <laughs> Let me just check there's nothing serious I have to ask you, and then we'll, uh, I might ask you some other stupid stuff. Okay. I haven't, got, I haven't got a watch at the moment. That's right, we're always doing all right for time. Um, we, can, we could do a lot more of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were on Only Connect. Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah. How did you get on? Uh, we lost, but only on a time break. Okay. Yeah, which was disappointing. But we, we solved the wall. We, we, uh, we, got, we completed the wall and got all the... It's quite hard, Only Connect. I've, I've, be- mm-hmm. I've become... It's easier only if you're a celebrity one. Is it? <laughs> but yeah, it's still quite hard. I've become obsessed with uh, Tipping Point. I haven't seen Tipping Point, Point, no. I love love quiz shows. And in fact, what I quite like, having a baby, and I've looked after the baby on uh, Thursday, I don't know, go on about it. Uh, But it's quite good, because, you know, she can mainly look after herself. I mean, last night we just left her, you know, she's asleep, so can't we? Uh, So, uh, and... But, uh, you know, I, I looked after all day. I just went for lunch. I had a nice slap-up lunch on my own. I had a beer. It was great. Lovely. Uh, and then I went home and watched quizzes. It's kind of what I want to do as Oh, a, I see, but it was life. all legitimised because yeah. you were actually... Oh, look, I'm doing day- daycare. Yeah, I'm looking oh, after I a hadn't baby. thought of that. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you get home at about 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you can just watch quizzes right. pretty much through to 8 o'clock. I mean, if you go on to Challenge TV, you can right. do it all day, but that's cheating. Uh, but, yeah. uh, so the tipping points brought me a bit closer to that because that's on quite early. Do you watch Tipping Point? I'm afraid not, no. I really want to do a celebrity version. I was quite... I've talked about it before in podcasts and I was quite disparaging towards it and I regret that now. Mm. <laughs> it's, you, know, you, you know what it is? They put, it's yeah. like those two... You know in the fa- fun fairs where you put two P in a machine and there's shelves and they move and then you get yeah. two P's coming out? It's that. But with <laughs> it's not. <laughs> what, on television? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with, okay. uh, with quiz questions thrown in to All decide right. how many... 
Oh, no, there's a lot of luck in the game, I would say. This case done quite a lot of good fortune. Okay. Uh, so stupid people can get through to the to the final. But they did, didn't they do heads or tails as a quiz they did. format? I mean, once you've done that, you think, well, all satire of, of stupid quiz shows is impossible <laughs> because somebody did make a half-hour show about tossing a coin. <laughs> <laughs> but in a sense, all quiz shows are just heads or tails, aren't they? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just cut it down to its. But Ben Shepherd does an excellent job on Tipping Point. I want to. I've been disparaging about it. I want to make it clear. And so I'd really love to go on. Because <laughs> you've got to. Dis- the, my favourite bit is you've got to discuss what as it's going down because that's quite a boring bit of telly. You have to. He goes. I mean, what it th- sounds like a says, collection of boring bits. He says, uh, "What do you think is going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> And they always go, I don't know, it really no. depends on where it falls and what, which, whether it, should we just wait and see what happens? No, what do you think? Would you think is that a good place? Yeah, it could be. Hard to know isn't it, until gravity's taken its well, effect. Well, I gather that's, that's quite a lot of deal or no deal, isn't it? As well as just what do you think's in the box, what's likely to be in the box, what won't be in the box, given what was in the box last time, and you're just, yeah. I mean, we don't, won't know until you open it. Sorry, that's like a really outdated piece of stand-up that I didn't <laughs> even do. But um. I, I went to whoever makes um, Deal or No Deal, mm-hmm. and I suggested doing like a late night, like a poker commentary over the top of it. Nice to yeah. replay it late at night with some people, actual mathematicians. Yeah, saying just doing yeah, there that. is no. Noel Edmonds says that Box 13 always has a low number in it, but there is no justification right, for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has happened. It hasn't even happened that much in the last few games. Yeah, <laughs> I would watch that. Too big and that's not true. (laughs) It's equally likely to be in any of the boxes. Right. They have not made a foolish decision because you're offering them some free money. So it doesn't matter if there's more money in their box, they have still won. Right. Because he made he did it. Did you see the episode where Noel Edmonds was did did Sarah Sarah Millican was the host and 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 Noel Edmonds was the guest. Because she should have really fucking laid into him because every time well, if they get to the end of that game and someone's got, oh, you took £15,000 and there was £20,000 in your box, so you've lost. <laughs> and he did the same thing. You know, there was no right. kind of... You don't know, do you? The decision's made before we know the yeah. full answer. Yeah, yeah. If, there was, if it was, say, you could, do you want £50,000 or £25,000 and you said £25,000... He goes, no, you, you, yeah. have, you have lost yeah. there. You should have chosen 50,000 pounds. <laughs> you have lost that the game better. of remembering which numbers are larger than other numbers. <laughs> remembering the order numbers come in. That's yeah. the game you've lost there. So but, do you yeah. like, Chris, do you like, do you, are you more of the snooty intellectual I, well, mastermind? It's only not connect? that so much. It's just that I get really, I've got a horrible guilt I, just watching television when the sun's up yeah. just makes me feel... I mean, of course, I enjoy it like everyone else, but I don't do it because it makes me feel so guilty it's not worth it. Yeah. The kind of the awful, you know, crushing, oh, God, I'm not. I'm wasting my life feeling... Have a just, baby and then you can watch the Well, sun. yeah, no. Or just get really like old. Good, okay. so I'm really looking forward um, to being really old because I'm just going to play Adam's Family Pinball in the morning, yeah. all morning, on my okay. iPad, and then watching quizzes in the afternoon. Might Sounds do a good. Sudoku or Kakuru's. I like. Do you like Kakuru's? No. don't know how to say it, but it's... Like a Sudoku, but you have to um, add the numbers up. Okay. I'll show you later. It's good. <laughs> I like a crossword. I like a cryptic crossword. They're fun. No, it's too hard. No? Okay. That is much. That is much. This date is going really badly. That is much. <laughs> and you work, you work quite a lot, of course, with uh, future guest and past guest David Mitchell, who's on in mm-hmm. a couple of yeah. weeks. Yeah. And so you wrote, do you write together on the soapbox? Thing. Is that that was finished? Yeah, now? the soapbox. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, again, it, we never really decided to finish it, but it, I think it's probably gone away now. Um, 
and that was great because it was uh, uh, such a nice way of working. Is basically I would just we go to the pub together. I would get him worked up about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, I would write down all of the uh, you know like the effortlessly funny things he just says about because he's that he's got that kind of mind, which is why he's so good on panel shows and so on. Yeah. The, the first way, which is so unlike me, that the first way he expresses it is you know it's is terrific and then he has to kind of struggle to remember how he put it first yeah. whereas with me I just have to rubbish out something like I've been doing all evening yeah. and then you know what I won't have the luxury of doing is going back and saying oh no there was something in that in that long boring story about you know whatever and, and refining it and refining it until I make it funny so yeah I, I just get David annoyed about tiny things uh, write down everything he says <laughs> and increasingly drunken handwriting and then go away and sort of shape them up into three minute pieces but it's all his stuff it's all so his ideas so that's where you get your crazy ideas from, from David, David Mitchell <laughs> yeah that's where I get that's where I get David Mitchell's crazy ideas from I get them from David Mitchell yeah it seemed the obvious place to go <laughs> and you've been writing like you write sort of sketch shows you wrote for the one Ronnie which is the most tragic title oh, for, a, for a sketch show there's ever been I know and then they started trying to do it with other uh, I don't think it lasted very long, but they did. I think they did the one Jasper for Jasper so Carrot, and you think that makes no sense at all. <laughs> it was tragic, as you say, when it was the two running, but at least they were called that. <laughs> It'd be quite good if that became the system now that everyone had to be called the one, <laughs> the one Richard Terry. Yeah. <laughs> but it was. They did. I think they did the one Lenny and the one Jasper. For, really? for, yeah. I mean, as uh, the show's perfectly good, but the titles not so good. <laughs> Uh, did you meet Ronnie Corbett when you were writing for it, or did you just write it and, and hand it in, and then that was the end of that? I uh, was away when they I w was sort of invited, but I couldn't go, sadly. Oh, okay. So that's the end of that anecdote. Yeah. <laughs> the time I didn't meet Ronnie Corbett. Looks like a prick, though, doesn't he? Looks like. <laughs> oh, looks, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no, he seems very nice. <laughs> it's very, you know, I love these. I love the old guys who keep going. Oh yeah. But you know, they're going on that. But they're taking all our work, aren't they? Nicholas Parsons. <laughs> Nicholas Parsons didn't start doing Just a Minute till he was like my age. Yeah. And has been doing Just a Minute for forty years. I mean, yeah. that gives you some yeah. kind of hope, doesn't it? That yeah, no. This could still be going on in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, years. literally this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> um, I think I think we may have, have you know got everything we need. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> I liked your sketch about the son wearing sunglasses. That was amusing. Thank you so very I'll much. Tell you that. Thank that you. made me laugh this morning. I liked your sketch about the cool teacher years. Years ago. <laughs> that that made me laugh. Well. We're just saying sketches we like. <laughs> um, and oh, what happened? So what? You did a, You wrote a sitcom for. Uh, Robert Lindsay and uh, Richard Griffiths. Yeah. And I, I know half the reason why that <laughs> probably isn't going on at the moment. Yeah. But did, it, did, did that, that was broadcast as a pilot, was it? No, it no. was broadcastable, as it were. If, it, if they picked up the series, then the pilot we made would have gone out as part right. of the series. So it was all, you know, like proper. But uh, it didn't happen. No. Yeah. So it's that was so hard, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about this backstage because I've, I've written a lot of TV. I mean, it's just very hard to get TV shows on. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's amazing, to, you know, it's amazing when you get to that stage. It's all the excitement. Oh, we're, we're filming. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, we've cast Robert Lindsay. And, and, and then, just, and then uh, once you were on set and people, you know, like whole teams of people and it seems such a... It, you know that it's not... You know that this is only a pilot and it might not happen, but it seems so real and there's so much, you know, money and time being spent on it and so much effort. You think, yeah, but it's going to happen now, isn't it? I mean, they won't just throw this away. Yeah, they... They will. <laughs> they will. If they decide they won't want, they don't want it. They will just 
stop. But, you know, there's going to be disappointment at some point. You even get the series, then you do another series, and they go, we don't want any more. So you're going to feel that kind of well, abject that's misery. One of the reasons, the I, not the main reason, but that was what was nice about cabin pressure. I did yeah. decided I wanted to, to, to pick when it, when it finished because yeah. otherwise it either doesn't get recommissioned or it starts to you know go off and people say they don't like it as much as they used to or you get sick of it or yeah. you know so it but was twenty seven nice episodes is a good whack. I mean I think yeah. I feel like that people are a bit. I mean, I, we, I wrote Time General Please where we did 37 episodes. God, which, you were writing uh, like two episodes a week or something Well, I was writing an, right? I wrote an episode, an episode a, week. a week. I can't imagine doing that. How did you possibly do it? Uh, I had to because otherwise everyone else had nothing to do. <laughs> so it was, it was insane because... Like actually from nothing, from you had to come up with... The, you started without a plot and yeah, you yeah. finished with a, a script ready for them I to did, read. I did, yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I because they gave I us nine... Well, they, we, they commissioned 15. Yeah. Then halfway through the series they gave us another nine. So the right. first few I'd written with, with Al, or we'd yeah. been in the room together, then we'd rise, once we got going, it was easier for me to do it and email yeah. him and say, send me a joke about this. Yeah. Uh, but by that stage, he was... Re- so it would, we'd film on a Thursday, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I would be... Well, basically, we'd, you know, I'd finish the scripts on Tuesday. <laughs> and so then the next day, I'd start writing the next one. We'd yeah. have a read-through of what I had on Friday, which was usually quite bad. Right. Then I'd go over the weekend and work that out, and then on the Monday... Uh, that we'd do a read through what I had, right? Knock all the edges off it, and then I would give it to them, and I would then start on the next one on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Good lord! So for about ten weeks. The good thing was though that meant what I was getting paid was my weekly wage, which was <laughs> insane. <Yeah. laughs> so I bought a car with a brand new car with one week's wages. So it was uh, right. it was sort of insane, but uh, but yeah, it was quite hard work. I don't know. Again, I couldn't do that now. But I but I'd like, I think we were talking about this backstage. It's just when there's a deadline. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to get stuff done. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, that's why I'm like, if I've got time to do something, I'll just take all the time and do it at the last minute yeah. anyway. And I don't think the quality massive... Well, it was good because I'd done 15 episodes, so you knew all the characters and you knew how it worked. Yeah. And there were kind of catchphrases and things that yeah. came in. Uh, but it's but, still plots. That's yeah, the thing the that takes me all the time. And I can't yeah. imagine how you could come up with a... I, you know, I don't think I could. Well, I could maybe plot it in a week, but I well, certainly I couldn't. I'll tell you start where I get my crazy ideas from. If you would, I've been wondering. Uh, I, no, I, the way I write, though, I, I, I don't like to really plot out in advance, so I would, so I can be surprised ah, by the twist. Okay. And then I'll go back and rework it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So that you know, there would you would work out something and then something and then see okay. where it went. And sometimes I was aiming for something, but often I wasn't, and that meant right. that. Especially when I was writing them in a week, which often meant the surprise was a surprise to me as well. Then <laughs> <laughs> it sort of occurred to you, so you'd write it as it was, which I, I, I do tend to write like that, and it's not a right. great way. It's not a good way to write, I don't think. No, it works for some Stupid. people, but I could never, I could never do it that way. I can't start until I've got the ending. Yeah, but yeah, I know. But yeah. then I could, I think sometimes if you do that, then that's why you, you can. I'm not saying you, but one can end up with. You know, formulaic yeah, yeah slightly absolutely. formulaic stuff because you're aiming for something whereas if you don't aim for something you yeah. might find something that's actually oh absolutely and, you know lots of great writers do it that way yeah. I think Evelyn War said when he because he changed over the course uh, of it is very like Evelyn War Time Gentleman yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is it's very similar he said something like um, I had the facility when I was young to wind up my characters like clockwork and see where they went and that just sounds like uh, impossible to I mean wonderful I wish my characters would do that but when I've occasionally tried even like with you know so with Kevin Pressure where I had characters who I really knew inside out and I knew how they'd react to any situation and so I do I suppose what you're talking about think of a think of the premise set them going and they just sit there they just talk <laughs> they just back and forth and nothing would move and no one would want anything and no one would care about anything and I just couldn't yeah yeah 
bring us along. I did find. No, that's why I, th- I th- want you to. I felt once they were established as characters. I found the second series very. There was a bit short the second series. Yeah. Uh, but I found it really easy to. Whereas we we were finished way in advance of everything. Um, really unlike. What your your week? So yeah, your week writer. You so, were just, on Tuesday. You were going. Well, I need more <laughs> done now. So uh. I didn't write them in a week the same. But I actually I think we wrote most of the scripts before the series began. You know, right. Which was quite even when we were doing the the first fifteen. I was still working on them as we did because I like working with the actors. I like th- yeah, hearing yeah. the actors read it and then when yeah. they read it you learn you oh, learn yeah, so, so much, much more yeah. and they inject a bit and yeah. sometimes they can't do it so you take that joke <laughs> yeah. out uh, but so yeah so I, I, I found that's why I, I think like in, in Britain I hear a lot of American writers saying oh I love the British system where they do 12 shows and they leave it at that I sort of feel it's a bit lazy I feel mm. like if you've got great characters it's, you can come up with at least 30 or 40 and sometimes 50 or 60 Sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah. And, I mean, Peep Show is mostly written by yeah. two guys, and yeah. they've written. They've, I think they've done a hundred now. Right. I mean, never they've finishing it, but they've done eight series. And, and you know, The Simpsons, the first. There's a good 120 episodes before that starts to not well, quite yeah, as good. But I mean, that's got. I mean, obviously, the main difference is that Americans have got loads of writers working yeah, yeah. on it. But as you say, there are people. Well, Roy Clark wrote every episode <laughs> of of the um, uh, Last of Summer Wine, yeah. and and is still and uh, yeah. He did write every episode of Last Summer Wine when he wrote the first episode of Last Summer <laughs> <laughs> God bless him. Uh, so anyway, look, we better go because I've got very, I've got my main guest coming on now in the second half. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, uh, it's, we've All been right. very much looking forward. To, it'll be worth hanging around for that, John. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, were not, you're not going to believe. This. This yeah. <laughs> You've saved me talking about time, gentlemen. Please with them anyway, so that is good. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to really regret that you spent a big chunk of that talking about your career. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad time management. I mean, I, I was enjoying it. I was fascinated. But if I were you, I'd have kept that for the second half. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to John Vinamore. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, John Finnemore. Yes, that's right. Uh, the music is my best. The, the thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square. You'd think I would know this by now, seriously. I, thanks, I'm a bit hungover. The, thanks to everyone at Leicester Square Theatre for having us. They're very nice. And thank you to everyone from Go Faster Strike. Thank you to my producer, Dave Cripp. He's in his crib. And I, this is a terrible. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Faster Strike production. Thank you for listening to it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to help support us, go to gofasterstripe.com, buy a DVD, buy a book. That money will go to me. Buy a badge. That money will go to future internet content. Uh, or you can come and see me on tour. I will get some of that money. That would be nice. Uh, it, that is, go to richardherring.com slash happy underscore now slash tour. And you can see if I'm coming near to you, most of these gigs will be in the spring of 2016. And uh, the DVD of uh, Lord of the Dance Settee should hopefully be out by Christmas. So go to gofasterstrike.com and see if it's there. And then buy it. It's the perfect Christmas gift for every member of your family. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.